Open your Bible to Exodus, Exodus, Genesis, Exodus, second book uh, in the Bible. It is the uh, documentary of the Exodus of the Israelites out of Egypt. Exodus chapter number 3, verse number 20. And then if you're really skilled, also put your finger on Exodus chapter number 12. And we'll begin in verse number 31. So the scripture says, Exodus 3 and 20, I will stretch out my hand. Well, let me first uh, uh, give you just a little backstory. Moses, if you guys remember, was the little baby who was put in a basket, who floated down the river, who saw Pharaoh, who Pharaoh's daughter saw him, uh, got him, uh, pulled him out of the river, uh, went and his sister went and got his mom, and his mom got to actually raise Moses in the palace uh, of Pharaoh. And then uh, 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 Moses grows up, realizes that he is in fact an Israelite, doesn't like the way the the Egyptians treated the Israelites because the Israelites had been in bondage. They had been slaves for about 400 years. And he he rises up and he he, he actually kills an Egyptian. And he gets scared because Pharaoh now wants to kill him. So he runs out into the wilderness and, and, he, and he's out in the wilderness and there's some, some, some goat herders that are picking on some women and, and, and he just rises up in his spirit again because he's a deliverer. He, he's the kind of man who saves people. He's the kind of man who takes up the gap. He's the kind of man who says, you're not going to go one more step, devil. And, and so these people, these goat herders, they were picking on these women. And Moses rose up and he ran those guys off. And the girls, they just saw, woo, they swooned over him. They said, man, this Moses, he, he just protected us at the water hole. So they brought him back home uh, to the daddy's house, which is a guy named Jet- Jethro. And Jethro had all kind. Jethro was a priest, but he also had all kind of uh, herds and flocks and everything. Uh, so, so Moses married one of Jethro's daughters. And he's out there, and he's just being a shepherd. He's just tending his, his father-in-law's sheep and everything's going good. All the herds are multiplying and he's just having a good life. And then one day, he's out tending the sheep and he looks on a hill. And on a hill, uh, there's a bush that's on fire. But he, he notices that the bush is not being consumed. He notices the bush is not burning up. The bush is not going away. Uh, the fire of God doesn't make you weaker. The fire of God makes you stronger. The fire of God doesn't wear you down. The, the fire of God sustains you. The fire of God will make you uh, go further than you could have gone without the fire of God. So Moses sees the fire of God from a distance, and he says, I've got to go over there and see what's going on. So he walks over, and when he gets over, uh, God says to him, he said, Hey, Mo, uh, take your shoes off because you're standing on holy ground. So Moses takes his shoes off, and he falls on his face because he realizes this bush that's on fire that's not being consumed actually is now a talking bush that's on fire that's not being consumed so he's trying to figure out what's going on and he realizes he is literally having an encounter with the everlasting god of all creation so moses says uh, uh, to him he goes he goes oh my goodness gracious he said you know I, I i i'm not sure what's going on here and god says well here's what's going to happen moses he says i've been uh, with you from the very beginning before you were formed in your mother's womb i knew you and i preordained you and you are going to be the deliverer of my people because my people's prayers have not gone unanswered nor have they gone unheard and the season and the time and the moment of their deliverance is at hand and guess what moses i'm going to use you to do it and Moses goes, well, 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 well uh, 
huh, how about that? He says, yeah, how about that? I'm going to use you. He said, see, I made sure that you weren't aborted. I made sure that you weren't killed. I made sure that nothing happened to you. When your mama put you in the basket, I'm the one that caused the current of that river to shove you up against the reeds so that that woman could hear you cry and that woman could send her servants to come rescue you out of the river, which was your very first baptism. And when you were baptized, I protected you. And then I'm the one who made your sister to see that. And then I'm the one who caused your sister to go tell your mama so that your mama literally was in the palace being paid to do what she wanted to do anyway which was raise her baby boy. I'm the one. And Moses is going, well, who do I say that you are? He said, I am. I'm not a past tense God. I hear the prayers of the Israelites and it sounds like they're talking to somebody who used to be. I need you to let them know that I am not a used to be God. I am a right now, in this moment, will deliver you, will heal you, will set you free kind of God. And right now I'm about to send you to Pharaoh, the one who you think is going to kill you. I'm going to use you to set everybody else free. Moses goes, whoa, okay. So they're having an encounter and God says to him, He says, I'm going to stretch out my hand and I'm going to smite Egypt with all my wonders. Now the word wonders there is an interesting word because uh, wonders is used several times over the next few chapters. This word is literally uh, uh, the word that would mean my overwhelming strength and power. With my overwhelming strength and power, I will deliver you I will smite Egypt. And after that, Pharaoh's going to let your people go. And I will give this people favor. I'll give the Israelites favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it'll come to pass that when you go, you won't go empty. But every woman shall borrow. The word borrow there is literally uh, receive. Every woman shall receive of her neighbor and of the one who sojourneth in her house, the one who stays in her house, jewels of silver, jewels of gold, and raiment, and you shall put them uh, on your sons and on your daughters, and you're going to spoil the Egyptians. Not like spoil, like spoil, like we spoil our kids. Uh, like plunder the Egyptian. You're going to take everything. You came in with nothing, and you're going out with everything. Come on, somebody. You came in with nothing. You thought you were building a, a city for them. I've been establishing their wealth, and in a moment of the, in a moment, in a snapshot of time, the wealth of the wicked is going to be given to the righteous. That's what's coming for you and me, by the way. So he says, "I'm going to deliver you with my strong hand. I'm going to give you favor." I'm going to make sure that your sons and your daughters never even smell what bondage smelled like. When they think of bondage, they're going to look at the gold chain around their neck. When they think of pain, they're going to look at the gold earrings in their ears. When they think of issues, they're going to look at the jewels on mama's fingers because God is not the author of confusion and He doesn't want His children confused about whether or not God is for you or against you. He wants His people understanding that the God who hears our prayers is not just a God that hears, but He is a God that delivers. Exodus chapter number 12. Exodus chapter 12, beginning in verse number 31. So God says to Moses, I'm going to deliver him. Here's how I'm going to do it. Here's what you'll experience. Now Pharaoh calls Moses and Aaron by night and says, Rise up and get out of here. 
Get you forth from my people, both you and the children of Israel. Go, serve the Lord like you want to. Also take your flocks and your herds and be gone. And bless me also. The enemy of God's people begins to ask for them to bless him when before he was telling them, you only eat when I tell you you can eat. And now he's saying, will you just bless me? And the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we're all going to be dead men if you don't get out of here because your God is the God of everything. And the people took their dough before it was leavened, their, uh, 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 their kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses. And they borrowed of the Egyptians, meaning they got from the Egyptians jewels of silver, jewels of gold, and raiment, really nice clothes. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent unto them things, so they gave unto them things as they required, and they spoiled or they plundered Egypt. They took everything that they could carry, so much so that they just had to start dropping some gold along the way because it was so heavy. They plundered Egypt. And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth. Uh, uh, about 600,000 on foot were men beside the children. Now here's what just happened. God said it in chapter 3. God did it in chapter 12. When I was in college, uh, well, I'll just say it like this. When I was in high school, uh, you know, high school uh, people, uh, it, 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 it can be challenging, I guess, uh, but, but I went to a small town and it just was, I'm, I'm not trying to say I was smart or anything. It just, it just wasn't that big of a deal. I didn't have to study all the time, you know. And, and then I got to college and, and, and like I, it's like I got hit by a bus, you know. It's like, it's like now everything that, that I was doing that got me to that point no longer worked anymore. The 30 minutes before class, crack the book outside in the hallway, read it and go in and take the test. I, I, was, I was getting, uh, uh, how, do you, how do you say this, failing grades. And, and, and the teachers that, that used to be all cool and kind about it, they didn't even know my name. <laughs> I was just a number. And I was a part of the percentage that was not going to make it and they were completely comfortable with that. And I was trying to figure out, what am I going to do? And then I met a friend. I actually met him uh, uh, exercising. I was in the weight room because even though I didn't study, I still like to exercise. It didn't make any sense. But anyway, uh, I was in the weight room, and this guy named Jason comes up. And Jason's a great guy, uh, but, but, you know, it, it, to a 19-year-old to a kid, he was ancient because he was like 22. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, sir, how you doing, sir, you know? He was elderly to me. I was a kid, kid. And he just had this way about him that was so committed. And, and he, I, I'd be like, yeah, what are you going to do, man? I was like, man, I, I think I'm going to go watch a movie. He goes, I'm going to go study. I'm like, you nerd. He goes, you say that now. You're going to be just like me. Because I failed out of this school when I was 18 years old. I had to go to another school to get my grades up so they would let me back into this school because this is the school I want to go to. He said, you're going to be just like me. You keep that attitude up. He said, you should learn from my mistakes. And I said, huh. I think I'll go watch Batman. But I learned from Jason's mistakes. Jason taught me how to study. He became a very close friend of mine. Uh, he taught me how to read. But, but, but uh, not like, like literally how to read. Matthew's like, can you teach me? <laughs> 
Help him, Tiff. So he taught me, you know, how to study and how to prepare at the college level. You know, I remember one class in particular. It was called Differential Equations and Linear Algebra. It was Calculus 4. And I remember uh, uh, hearing things, and the only time I'd ever heard them before was whenever I would uh, walk by the certain area where all the fraternity guys were, and they would say, like, uh, kappa and gamma and delta and all the other stuff. I wasn't in a fraternity or anything. But I would hear all those things, and, and now this, this lady, this professor, she's trying to use all those things. So literally, I'm like, is this like a fraternity class, or what, what, are, what are these gammas doing here? It's like gamma rays and stuff. I had no idea. Jason was just like, man, look, you're going to have to get it. You're going to have to get it. And then I would go and I would take the English literature classes. And I've always liked to read, always been an avid reader. Uh, but to me, I just, um, there's, you know, I like to read what I want to read. And if it doesn't appeal to me, then I don't want to read it. And there was a lot of things that we had to read that did not appeal to me. And then my whole life changed. Because Jason told me about a thing called Cliff's Notes. If you don't know what Cliff's Notes are, it's for guys who procrastinate, guys and gals who procrastinate and don't read the book. You can go buy the Cliff's Notes, which if the book's that big, Cliff's Notes is going to be about that big, and it's just going to give you the high points. What I just did is I read the Cliff Notes to you. God said, I'm going to deliver you. Then we skipped, and God delivered them. The problem is there's nine chapters between the promise and the parade. Moses, as soon as he received the word of the Lord, Moses, the one that we hang our hat on as one of the fathers of our faith, the first thing he says to God, when God says, I'm going to deliver them. It's going to be by my mighty right hand. I'm going to smite them. You're going to carry out all the gold and all the silver that you could carry. Everything about your life is about to shift. And instead of shouting for joy, Moses says, they'll never listen to me. They'll never hear what I'm saying. That same lion devil is the same lion devil that screams at you when you begin to say, I'm going to go witness to that person. And on the inside of you, doubt begins to rise up. And you begin to hear, you know what? They're not going to listen to you. You're just wasting your time. They know all about church already. They know all about uh, the Bible already. But they don't know what God did for you. They don't know about the delivering power that God has ransacked your life with. That voice is telling you constantly, there's no reason to do it. You're not good enough. Moses said, I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. That devil constantly tells you, you don't know the Bible good enough. What if they ask you a question that you don't know the answer to? Here's what you do. I'll get back to you. But like I was saying, God has healed me. You've got to get so good at hearing the voice of the Lord over all the other chatter that none of the nonsense and none of the preconceived doubts that are injected into your mindset have any bearing on whether or not you will be obedient to the voice of the Lord. 
Moses then goes, I, 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 I can't talk. I, I, nobody's going to listen to me. There's no way. And God goes, Moses, man, yeah, I'm, I'm, look at the bush. I'm a talking bush right now. You've never seen that before. Couldn't you believe that I can do what I'm going to say, what I said I could do? God goes, I tell you what, Moses, what is in your hand? God never asks you for what you can't do. He only asks you for what you can do. He says, what's in your hand? And Moses looked and he goes, well, this is my old trusty walking stick, Lord. I, I tell you, I've been using this thing. And, you know, one time I was almost falling and I made it. And another time I had to go across a little creek and I used the pole bolt across and it made it. And I was dry and everything was great. This is my trusty staff, Lord. He goes, throw it down. That's my stick. This thing been everywhere. Why don't I, I got to give it to you? God will always ask you for what you have control over and not for what you don't have control over. Some of you have a spirit on you of giving. You have a spirit on you of, of, of being a blessing. And I wish I could just, you know, we're praying for a building all the time. I know this is on me all the time. And, and I think, Lord, I just wish, I just, you know, if you just, you know, I, whoo, I just, man, if I, I just write a check for it, I just, I just, if I could, I just, bang, we'd never go to that movie theater again, bless God. Just, I'm signing it now. I just, boom, it's what I do, Lord. And you would, and I would. God's not asking for what you don't have control over. He's asking for what you do have control over. He said, throw it down. Throws it down. Boom. Turns into a snake. The Bible says Moses gets scared and begins to run off. And God says, wait a minute, Moses. Wait a minute. Pick it up. It's a snake. Pick it up. I did not give you a spirit of fear but of power, of love, and a sound mind. Pick it up. I gave it to you anyway. Pick it up. Some of you in here, there's something that's been trying to cause fear in your life or anxiety or any other form of unbelief. And the Spirit of God saying, I'm going to need you to pick that up. Because what is scaring you in this moment I'm going to use not long from now. Moses picks it up. It turns back to a stick. God says, put your hand in your jacket. He puts his hands in his jacket, pulls it out, and his hand is filled with leprosy. And God goes, now put it back. He puts it back. back. He said, see, I'm a healer. Now, go to your people and show them these wonders. It's a different word for Wonders. Exodus 3 and 21 says, wonders, talking about the overwhelming power. When he says, go and show them these wonders, it's a different word. It's, it's literally pronounced in Hebrew, mo faith. You go show these people some mo faith. Can I just say, our evangelistic strategy goes out the window the first person we raise from the dead because mo faith breaks out like a river. 
So she wa- he walks over and he tells the elders and he's like, okay guys, uh, here's the deal. God talked to me out of a, out of a burning bush and it was amazing and, and, and God's going to use me to let the, let the Israelites go and it's going to be incredible and, and it's just, I, can't, I can't wait. We're going to get all the gold and all the silver and God's just going to smite him. He's going to raise up extraordinary power. It's going to be amazing and I can just see everybody going, okay, Mr. Raised in the palace man. Okay, Mr. Runoff in the woods when everything gets tough. Mr. Gotta Go. Mr. Used to eat the soup that we cooked. And all of a sudden he goes, no, 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 really, check it out. Boom, he throws down his stick snake. And everybody goes, wait a minute. He goes, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, look at this. I'll get the snake in a minute, but check this out. Boom. Everybody's like, ah, leprosy. And he goes, no, 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 God's a healer. Ah. We're getting some more faith here, Moses. Signs and wonders. So he goes before Pharaoh, and he says, all right, Pharaoh. And I can see him just, walk, I mean, just, just uh, like, a, like a swagger alligator, you know what I'm saying, just walking in. He just talked to God. Faith level's like on an 11, on a scale of 1 to 10. And he walks in, he goes, okay. Pharaoh, Pharaoh, right? Yeah, that's it. <clears throat> So here's what's going to happen. Can I call you Faye? Here's what's going to happen, Faye. You are going to let my people go. You're going to set them free. Or else, the God I met in the woods is going to smite you. Pharaoh goes... Who are you talking to? Well, well I'm, I'm talking to you. Well, let me just tell you what's fixing to happen here, Mo. Can, can I call you Mo? You lazy, stinking Israelites. Now you're going to make my bricks, and you're going to make them without any straw. Historians basically believe what took place is the Egyptians would supply the straw and then they had a quota for the Israelites that had to, they had to meet. But what he was saying is, we're going to remove the straw. So they're going to have to go out and get their own stubble, their own, their own. You have to go get your own. You've got to go get it. You've got to hustle. You've got to work. But the quota remains the same. So we're going to remove a key ingredient that we've been supplying but I still expect everything that I expect. Some of you are going through something and you feel like it can't get any worse and then something's just been pulled out of the equation that you thought was necessary. And your pressure has increased. So Moses now, I'm certain, I mean, this is the guy who when he saw God... He questioned whether or not God, you know, nobody's even going to listen to me. Now Moses is looking like Moses was right and God may have missed it. He goes back to the elders of the Israelites and they've lost their mind. Moses! You heathen! It was bad enough before you came. Now we've got to try to go get the hay ourselves. Now we've got to go try to make the same amount of bricks that we were going to make anyway without the supply. You're nothing but trouble, Moses. 
Matthew, chapter number 5, the Beatitudes, along about verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for such is the kingdom, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I want to know if you can deal with the persecution of being a fanatic for Jesus. I'm not saying, you know, a Jesus tattoo on your cheek. I'm just wondering if you can deal with the persecution of going all in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he was persecuted by Pharaoh. Everything was tough and, and rough. And Pharaoh told him this and Pharaoh... No, 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 no. Not that persecution. That's the easy part. I'm talking about persecution in the body. He came to deliver them. And they told him to leave. They told him, you're just making it worse, Moses. Can I just say that faith is the substance of things hoped for? The evidence of things that we do not see. Hebrews 11.1 1. Now faith is. Now, 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 now. Some of you are going through things and you feel like as soon as you did what God said, the water... Turn to blood and just... Another interesting point. Moses goes back to Pharaoh and he takes his stick snake. Which he would use time and time again. Later. He got so comfortable with what God had blessed him with. That he would hit rocks and water would come out. But one of the interesting things is he goes before Pharaoh and he goes, Okay, now I got it. He didn't listen to me the first time, but I'm going back to talk to him, and now I'm going to show him the signs and wonders. All right, Pharaoh, I'm back. I told you to let him go. Now you're in trouble. And he takes his stick, and he throws it down, and it turns into a snake. Amazing, right? Except the witches that served Pharaoh brought out sticks, threw theirs down, and they turned into snakes too. Then Moses was... A little bit wigged out. Now, uh, Moses' snake ate the other snake, so the power of God is certainly power that was certainly stronger than the power of the devil. But then he goes to the river in obedience to God, and he takes his stick, and he, he goes, All right, Aaron, go out there and wave it over the water, just like it. Make sure Pharaoh's looking. Wave it over the water. And when he waved it over the water, it just turned to blood, and all the fish started bubbling up. It was, it was just uh, amazing. All the water in Egypt began to turn to blood. But then hidden there, the Bible says that Pharaoh's witches could do it too. What I'm saying is we find ourselves in one of three categories. We're either receiving the promise, we're either walking out of Egypt with all the stuff and a big mighty Holy Ghost parade, or we're somewhere in the middle. And somewhere in the middle can be difficult. Because somewhere in the middle might have st snakes and sticks. It might get a little bloody. You might get hurt along the way. It might be filled with frogs and locusts and lice. All the livestock might get sick. 
And you're sitting there going, but God, you said, but God, you said, he said, I know. And then all of a sudden it starts hailing and everything else just gets more intense. And then all of a sudden you're sitting there, you're going, oh God, surely your word is true. Surely you're going to deliver us. And then all of a sudden you can't even see because it's just gotten so dark. If you've ever been fed the story that Christianity is tiptoeing through the tulips and everything is wonderful when you say yes to Jesus Christ, let me just correct it for you. It is exactly the opposite. The kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by by force. God's looking for people That between the promise and the parade, instead of slowing down, instead of backing up, instead of uh, wishing that things would change, we'll just step on the throttle and say, maybe frogs, maybe locusts, maybe lice, maybe, maybe a bad report, maybe a family member acting crazy. Maybe an issue that I don't understand. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We'll serve the Lord when we receive the promise. We will serve the Lord when we are marching in the parade that He promised us. But if I find myself somewhere in the middle of the nine chapters that may exist between me receiving the Word of God and me experiencing the Word of God, you will find me pressing towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. There's nothing like living for God. When I was praying, I, I said, Lord, I said, I just want to help your people. Uh, don't let them hear me. Let them hear you. We get these promises all the time and we hold on to them. But, but, but then we just got to go through it. And it's always through the valley of the shadow of death. It's always all these other things. And he said, I prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. I said, why don't you just... Why don't you just lay it all out there? What if you'd have just told Moses, here's what's going to happen. All right, you're going to go, you're going to throw your stick down, and they're going to throw some sticks down, and turn a snake, they're going to eat them, then you're going to turn the water into blood, somebody else could turn some water into blood, then there's going to be all kind of different plagues, and at the last moment I'm going to uh, take the firstborn son of theirs, but the blood of the Lamb's going to deliver y'all, and everything's going to be good. It's going to take some time, it's going to take about nine chapters, whenever they finally write the Bible, even though it won't be written in, in chapter, in verse form, when they finally write it, it's going to be about nine chapters, Moses, it's going to be very interesting, and people are going to read it, and 2,000 years later, everything's just going to get better, and people are going to be able to look at it and learn from it, so I'm going to need you to walk through it but 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 here's all the steps that are going to happen here's the things that are going to happen i said lord why don't you just say that it's impossible to please god without faith and faith is when we believe what we don't see not when we recognize what we do see god will give you enough To fuel your faith. But not enough. To stimulate your doubt. If God would have told Moses. Yeah. I'm going to turn water into blood. I don't think Moses could have. Fully grasped what he was saying. 
in your life, you've been through some things that if God would have tipped you off to what you were going to have to go through, you might not would have said yes to the call. But when you said yes and said yes without limitations, now whatever comes against me, whatever rises up against me, whatever begins to push me in a corner, whatever begins to come against my family, whatever begins to come against my finances, whatever begins to shove me back, I've already made up my mind. I don't have all the details. I'm just going through the steps. Because my steps have been ordered. So says the Scripture. But throughout your life and my life, there's always a positioning. The promise, the parade, and the plagues. It's a very prophetic word this morning for our church. It's very prophetic because though a baby will come when the time is right, mom, you still got to push. Our church is at a threshold. Where it's time to deliver. But we as a body have to push. I don't know if you recognize, but we've spent a lot more time in service just praying lately. That's because the Holy Spirit's wanting to do something really strong, not just in our church, but in our families, in our homes, in this region. And the way Christians press through the plagues is with the power of prayer. I don't know where you are today in the story, but inject yourself honestly. And let's believe God collectively sooner than later we're going to be on the parade side of the promise. Let's all bow our heads and let's just pray.